Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. This is an unusual time for our country. Millions of people are facing credit problems. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of the special hardship programs that are available. Some are expiring, but what other help is there for consumers? We're also going to talk about scams and what you're going to see, some targeting the most vulnerable in our population. And then there's the big subject of renters. If you're facing eviction and don't know where to turn, we're going to have some advice for you on that. My guest today is Bruce McClary. He's the Senior Vice President Communication communications at the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Bruce, welcome to Of Consuming Interest. Thanks for having me on the program, Shirley. It's great to be here with you again. Yeah, you, you always give good information for our, our listeners. And so I'm, I'm eager to get into this because I know we hear a call for action from so many people who are having so many issues. And as I indicated in the intro, there are special hardship programs for people who are in need. And would you like to give us an overview of that? And then maybe we'll get into some specifics. Sure, I'd be happy to. And just to uh, turn back the clock a little bit and talk about what's happened since March and April, you know, we, we experienced that initial financial shock as a nation when we had to go into shutdown during the month of April that extended into May. Uh, and started uh, started uh, ending and easing up in, in June. And during that period of time, so many people were out of work, were underemployed, were struggling to, to make ends meet. And so there was this mass uh, call to action from the, um, from the uh, creditor uh, sector, the lenders, the credit card companies, the mortgage issuers uh, for uh, student loan, issuers, and they all came together and provided a wide range of programs, temporary hardship programs for people who were uh, struggling at that time. And it was an overwhelming response from the credit and lending industry, and it was, uh, it, it was very helpful. And a lot of people plugged into those, uh, those programs, and, and millions of, of, of people continue to take advantage of programs that are available from the credit card companies, the mortgage lenders, even utility providers. Uh, throughout this, uh, throughout the course of time that's transpired since then. But we're now at a point where some of those programs have ended or are about to expire. So it leaves a lot of uncertainty about what lifelines are left. And of course, that's coupled with the uncertainty that we're experiencing about where the pandemic is headed, what happens next with the number of cases and the development of a vaccine and how quickly that can get to, uh, get to market. Uh, so just to, for to cover some of the options that are still available if people are looking for financial lifelines, if they're struggling, uh, we can talk about some specific areas. For example, uh, right now uh, on the mortgage side, the uh, there are about three and a half million homeowners who are currently in forbearance plans, and those forbearance plans allow them to skip or make reduced monthly loan payments. And in fact, the Federal Housing Finance Agency. Uh, announced some time ago that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are continuing that moratorium on single-family foreclosures and evictions through December 31st of this year. After that, we'll have to wait and see. And on the federal student loan side, um, there are only about uh, 11% of student loan borrowers that are currently repaying their student loan debt, and they're doing it voluntarily because 
there is a, uh, a moratorium on payments uh, until the end of the year. So student, federal student loan borrowers don't have to make any payment until the end of this year. And that's been benefiting um, millions of, of student loan borrowers. But again, because those provisions expire on December 31st of this year, just like the mortgage payment relief, we just have to wait and see what happens regarding any possible c continuation there. And then on the credit card side, and this is back of the napkin here, about half of the top creditors are still offering some kind of COVID-related hardship program for temporary relief. Now, that doesn't mean remedies aren't available, uh, but you just have to ask in order to know what's on the menu. And this, uh, this is where guidance from a nonprofit credit counselor comes in handy. So you know your options and what your next steps should be before you have a conversation with your lender uh, to take or take other action on your own. Bruce, let me ask you, is there a central place that consumers can go to get all this information? Do you have it at your website? Are there government uh, centralized sites? Because we're talking about an awful lot of lenders and an awful lot of loans and a tremendous amount of information. Where can they get help? Yeah, the, it's a confusing landscape for sure. And for people who are in need of help, that confusion uh, often leads people into the hands of scammers, which we'll talk about a little bit, I'm sure. But uh, the the best place to start, and this is just goes back to what I mentioned earlier, if you want to have somebody help you understand what options are still on the table and where you can turn for those options, it's it's good to reach out to a nonprofit credit counselor. And your 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 counseling session, your first interaction with a credit counselor is free. Take advantage of that. So you can go to nfcc.org to find a nonprofit credit counseling agency that can provide that kind of guidance and help clarify the decisions that you have to make and the direction you have to turn next. And we should just say for our listeners that you all are a nonprofit organization and um, you do good good work. But beyond that, Bruce, are there other sources? Should we go to government websites? Should, I, I suspect that consumers will go to the lenders' websites to find out what's available for them. Is that uh, also a useful avenue? That is a useful avenue, and it's we always encourage that people uh, we always encourage people to talk to their lenders and to have a conversation if you're headed for trouble. People aren't always confident in those uh, interactions, though, especially if they're unsure about what to ask or uh, sure. the things that they might say. And of course, everything you say when you're having a com conversation with your lender has consequences. So there's there's a there's a bit of fear and uncertainty when people are faced with having that conversation. But it's important to remind people that you you really should have that conversation, talk to your lender, and your lender uh, is most knowledgeable about the programs that are available uh, specific to their loan or their line of credit that could help you through a difficult time because their goal is to do whatever they can to help the account stay on track and to help you uh, maintain uh, some kind of financial stability. So having that conversation can be very important. But again, uh, it's if you need help understanding what questions to ask or how to have that conversation, a nonprofit credit counseling agency can be uh, a good resource, at least to, to help you feel confident going into those interactions. And the nfcc.org website can provide consumers links to the offices nearest them? Exactly. That is correct. And the, the network of nonprofit credit counseling agencies that are affiliated with the NFCC, uh, it's nationwide. So sure. there's uh, there, there are a lot of agencies to choose from, and they offer a wide variety of, of programs and ways that they can help. 
Okay, uh, let's just take a brief pause here um, to identify ourselves. You're listening to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Bruce McClary. He's a Senior VP of Communications for the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. And we're talking about some of the results of the unfortunate incident that we've had with the, the COVID-19 virus and the shutdown. But we're seeing the economy is coming back, Bruce. Thank goodness we're seeing a, a resurgence in many sectors, but we do have a ways to go. There are people who are still hurting and who are out of jobs and, and in debt, and that's what we're trying to address here. Um, let's talk about the renters. This, to me, must be a terribly scary thing for people who are unable to meet their rent and, and are facing eviction. Um, and but yet there is relief available for them. Would you tell us about that? Yes, surely. And I'm glad you brought this up because this is becoming uh, an, an increasing concern uh, just about the impact on the economy. And there's also a lot of confusion about who's protected from eviction, who isn't, how those protections are being enforced. Uh, so it's really like a patchwork quilt. And, you know, we had the executive orders uh, and the CDC involvement uh, in this issue. Uh, but there's also local uh, protections that are in play as well. So it, it, it's extremely confusing, even for those of us uh, who are close to the issue and are providing solutions. Uh, it, it's taken everybody a little bit of time to react, to sort things out, to know uh, what what's in, in play and what's not. But I will say that this... Uh, this range of uh, of moratoriums, eviction moratoriums, national and local, uh, have a significant uh, portion of the rental uh, population protected from being booted out into the street if they miss payments. That's the good news. Uh, but the end of the road for these protections is coming fast. And by the beginning of next year, most of these protections will end if they're not extended. Uh, and the impact can be severe if you add up the total of all the risk, uh, rent payments that are owed that are past due. There are some estimates out there, Shirley, that say that there are just over 12 million Americans who may owe an average of about $5,400 in past due rent by the end of the year. 12 million people in that situation. For, the, for struggling families where they, they still haven't found full employment, they've faced financial setbacks. Uh, you know, having to pay $5,400 in back rent, in addition to all of the other debt that might be past due, that's, that's almost an impossible ask. That's so, a, that is a big mountain to climb, isn't it? You're absolutely right about that. But then, of course, the, the landlords, the owners of these buildings, um, they're suffering too. So they're not exactly. getting their payments and they many of them have mortgages to meet. So it's a really complicated thing. And let's just pray that our um, economy uh, continues the, the improvement that we're seeing going on right now and um, that these people get some help. What... What do you advise people to do who are in this situation? They owe back rent. Um, is there a, I know that we want them to go to nfcc.org to get some counseling help. Beyond that, is there anything else out there that we can offer them? Well, it's very important to know how you're protected from eviction. And if you're concerned about that, and, and, and that's a concern of mine as well, because I've heard stories that there are some there are some isolated incidents where uh, landlords are being ag uh, overly aggressive and are uh, trying to make an end run around the law to 
evict tenants when in fact those tenants should be protected by uh, from that sort of thing. So as a tenant, if you're past due, know how you're protected locally and on the national level. Understand what those CDC provisions are. You can go to the CDC website and find out information directly about what the uh, what the CDC announcement was for for eviction moratoriums. But it, you can also go and look at uh, go to your local government website to find out if your city or town or community uh, has specific uh, provisions that are protecting you from eviction there as well and your state as well. So it, knowing how you're protected is the first, first thing you should do. But then you should have a conversation with your landlord because as you just mentioned, and appropriately so, landlords are struggling too. If, if, if their tenants aren't paying, there are a lot of mom and pop landlords out there that are counting on rental income uh, to, to put food on their table and to keep a roof over their head. So it's important to have that kind of dialogue with your landlord to help them understand that uh, you're you're in a tough situation, you can't pay the rent, uh, but you you want to make them aware of the circumstances you're facing, and you want to also let them know it's very important here to let them know that when things get back on track, you want to work with them to find a uh, a way uh, to to mutually resolve the issue of back rent. And I think if you if you're open and you have that kind of dialogue, uh, in most more cases than not that's going to work in your favor. Uh, and at the very least, even if it doesn't, you can say you made an attempt to, to try to work things out with your landlord. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the first thing to consider. Communication is always helpful, uh, no matter what the circumstances are, but especially in these times when there are renters who are just unable to pay, uh, to pay. Well, that, that's, that's true with your landlord. That can be true with any, as you say, any other creditors, your mortgage, your bank, your credit card companies. Um, I think it's important that consumers not just sit back and wait for the worst to happen. They need to be a little bit proactive here in protecting their interests and sharing with the people that they, to whom they owe money that in fact they're having problems and what they hope to see down the road. Yeah, you know, Bruce, that's such a good point. It's so important for us to be open and talk about this. We're all in the same boat right now. I mean, no one is protected from what's going, well, very few anyway, from all the, the chaos that's happening around us. And so, yeah, let's get out there and share that information. Um, I, I, I think that the, your counselors can help people with this issue as well. Is that right? Or are you just into the credit counseling? Can your people give advice on the renters and what to do? Yes, our, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up because our, our our member agencies, our network of member agencies is equipped to have discussions with people about the rental situation to provide solutions and at least guide people towards uh, the the solutions that they that they need in their community uh, and to help them through these difficult times when they have to uh, have uncomfortable conversations with their landlord or deal with issues related to uh, past due rent. So yes, and, and the other thing is that in the year ahead, we're going to be building out uh, even more programs to help not just the, uh, the struggling renters, but also the landlords as well. Uh, so we're, we're definitely looking forward to- I like the about. fact that you're including landlords in this discussion and that you're looking at ways to help them because it, they're suffering too. I, I know a few people who own rental properties and it, it's difficult. It's difficult for everyone. So uh, yes, more power to you and your organization, Bruce, for taking these steps to protect all sides of our uh, credit industry. Um, let's just take a brief pause here. 
and let people know they're listening to of consuming interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Bruce McClary. He's the Senior Vice President for Communications with the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. And we're talking about many of the programs that are available to help consumers and also where you can go to get help. Now, Bruce, let me, I know people are listening to this and they're saying, okay, you want to send me to a credit counselor. What are they going to charge me? Um, And we got to address that issue a little bit for our listeners. Yes, uh, that you know, it's always good to set expectations and let people understand what they're going to experience when they interact with a nonprofit credit counseling agency. Uh, Most importantly, when you reach out and you have that first discussion, if you're calling for budget counseling or, or, or credit counseling, that first interaction is at no cost. So you can have a discussion with the credit counselor, you can go through a complete review of your financial situation and receive the advice uh, from this financial professional uh, for for no cost initially. But if you do need further assistance, especially if you need the uh, if you if you feel that you'll benefit best from a program that helps reduce your interest, lower your payments, make your uh, make the repayment of your debt more affordable and sustainable, there can be fees for some of those programs, and those fees are. Uh, just there to maintain the program, to keep it on track. Uh, They're uh, very affordable compared to the circumstances that you would face otherwise if you just didn't address the problem and let the late fees and interest rates pile up. Uh, I think, could you you honestly say that that, uh, some of the money that you'll be able to save consumers and some of the grief will pay for itself? Well, and then some, uh, and then some. So this, the savings is, is significant in situations where you are already past due in your accounts and you are experiencing late fees, possibly even over limit fees and other penalties. Uh, with the interest rate reduction, the fee reduction, and the payment uh, reduction uh, through the course of a debt management plan, uh, not only will you pay off your debt faster, but you can save potentially thousands uh, of dollars uh, during the course of that period of time. And it typically takes, takes someone uh, who enters into a debt management program about four to five years to complete the program. And by completion, I mean becoming debt-free. Uh, so wow. th- yeah, so think about that in terms of, of the outcome and the amount of time that it takes to get out of the program in situations where uh, if nothing were done to address the high interest and the high fees, and the high payments, uh, it could take twice as long or even longer uh, to climb out of that 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 debt. And so, that's that's another tremendous advantage of people who are already experiencing hardship in, in repaying their debt to see the light at the end of the tunnel and to experience it so soon. Well, you know, you're talking about um, the people who owe money. And that brings us, it's a beautiful segue right into the scams that are targeting these people. Some of the, the scams that are out there to help people financially, they're going to get you out of debt um, and it's going to make you so much healthier and you're going to get out of debt in two months and so on and so forth. There are some awful claims being made and unfortunately some consumers are falling for them. Would you give us an overview, Bruce, of some of the worst things that are happening to our our wonderful country in our in terms of the scams well you know the there for every crisis there's always someone who's trying to take advantage of it by ripping people off and that's a sad fact it's it's heartbreaking but there are people out there who who thrive uh on uh taking advantage of the most vulnerable at a time when they can least afford to part with their money 
And there's, that's no different in this situation when we're facing uh, an, a continued economic crisis. We haven't fully recovered with the economy and there are people still struggling. Uh, and they, you, can, uh, you can see in the marketplace there are offers that are very enticing, uh, not only uh, promising to help instantly fix people's credit or to help people instantly uh, avoid having to repay any of their debt, but also scams that are uh, related to income generation and employment. Uh, these phony employment scams, work from home and, and things like that. Uh, and some of the worst scams I've seen are the ones that are directly related to COVID-19 itself. Uh, people selling fake testing kits and people selling fake remedies uh, for uh, and fake treatments. Uh, that's just disgusting. And it sickens me to know that there's uh, there are those kind of people out there. But the, there are ones that are that are financial in nature and people have to be aware of. And I think the, and also there there are debt collection scams as well. Uh, and just in general, because so many people so owe so much money right now, and that a lot of there there are people who've fallen further and further into a state of of delinquency with their debt. They're even on the even on the legitimate side of debt collection. Debt collection activity has increased, and that's given scammers an opportunity to pose as debt collectors to try to get people to send payments directly uh, for debt that they owe. And in many cases, people feel the pressure and send the money before checking those out. So those are some other scams there as well. And I think that's one that I'm most concerned about as we continue to experience the, mm -hmm. the economic impact of this crisis. Uh, uh, people are expecting phone calls and communications from debt collectors. And in some cases, uh, because of the amount of debt they owe and the confusion about who they owe, they may trust that what they're hearing from someone calling and identifying as a debt collector is fact. And without verifying uh, the the nature of the call and who's behind it, and they may act all too quickly to wire money, send money, uh, uh, send a check or otherwise to this person without really making sure that it's a legitimate debt collector. That's one of my biggest concerns right now. Yeah, and that's that's going to go on for a while. That's not going to end if we suddenly find ourselves we got rid of the virus and all, done all the everything else that we need to do. These debt collectors are not going to end because they will buy consumers' debts and continue to harass those consumers. And there's a lot of laws that protect them. Um, at uh, Call for Action, we've done a lot to educate consumers on this issue. Um, so anyway, I know that they're out there. We deal with them all the time in our office. And I do invite people to, to file a complaint at callforaction.org if you've been the victim of this kind of uh, debt collecting. Um, at any rate, Bruce, that is an excellent point. But my concern is, is that down the road, some of these debts will still come back to bite people. Uh, and also, our listeners should know that there are limits on how long a debt collector can legitimately try to collect a debt and that they have to have proof that you owe the debt. So there's a lot of stuff there for consumers. You know, Bruce, it's been great to have you. I'm sorry that we have to discuss these this terrible situation that we're in, but life, I think, is going to get better. And you all are out there working to help consumers. And we really appreciate you. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me, Shirley. I really appreciate being on the program and helping your listeners. Okay, let's just uh, wind this up. My guest has been Bruce McClary. He's a Senior Vice President of Communications for the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. 
You can get in touch with them at nfcc.org. Or if you want to use the old-fashioned method of calling, the number is 800-388-2277. Excuse me, 800-388-2227. And thank you again, Bruce, for being with us. Thank you, listeners, for being out there. If you want to get in touch with me, it's Shirley at callforaction.org. Shirley Rooker, thank you. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.